evening, good evening. If you're watching on the listening to on all the podcast platforms, encouraging your spirit. I am the host and the creator. Tonight we have Pastor Brian King. Pastor Brian L. King is a born again spirit filled Christian who also happens to be gay. He is the senior and founding pastor of Reignite Palm Springs and bishop over Reignite Ministries International Incorporated, RMI Network of Churches. RMI is a network of spirit-filled, affirming churches and ministries in Palm Springs, Houston, Venezuela, India, and the Philippines. Pastor King is a father to two beautiful daughters, one very handsome son, and two fur babies named Katie and Brody as well as grandfather to eight amazing grandchildren who are the loves of his life. Thanks so much for being on the show, for doing the re-air. So it's so good to see you again. How are you doing today? Thanks. I'm doing great. It's beautiful. Believe it or not, it's beautiful here in Palm Springs. It was 85 today. Oh, wow. Well, somebody's getting some good weather because it's in the 40s and 50s here. But no snow. So there you go. <laughs> for our icebreaker questions, we're going to give you some different ones this time. Word association, okay. Jesus, Uh-oh. Savior. Uh, let's see, life, life, mm-hmm. abundance, Christmas, time. All right, <laughs> I have listened to you uh, all the time by watching Reignite Palm Springs church sermons online, but I am totally aware that there could be people that see or hear this podcast that have have no uh, knowledge of RMI Network. Um, so could you share your story of how the church and ministry came into being and its mission? One quick thing before you answer. I thought I saw on online, I know I said in the uh, bio, uh, I listed the churches. Aren't you in Pakistan too? Or that, is that in my mind? Yeah. Okay. All right. No, we have... <laughs> Yeah, you know, we have three churches in Pakistan now. Okay, okay, as well right. as well as the others. Okay, awesome. So, uh, share with our listeners uh, how uh, Reignite Palm Springs came into being. Um, it came into it's really a, it's really a long story. I'll try to condense it, mm-hmm. but it came into being after a group of us who are spirit filled, born again Christians who also happen to be gay. We're going to a church that just was not meeting our needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a church that almost every Sunday the message was built around assuring people that God loved them, even though they were gay. Mm-hmm. And I came from a, a hardcore Baptist turned Pentecostal background. I was part of Benny Hinn's uh, ministry on, as a crusade team volunteer. And I went around to different crusades with him way back in the 80s mm-hmm. and early 90s. And so I, we were just, we all wanted more. Mm-hmm. And we started praying about it. And we got, uh, first we were connected with the Covenant Network. Mm-hmm. Um, they they um, chose me to be the pastor here in Palm Springs after several years of praying about it. And then our vision was not just for Palm Springs, but for the different nations and to have affirming churches in places where there weren't affirming churches. And that didn't fit with their vision. Mm-hmm. So they uh, released us, and uh, God gave me a, a board that's uh, comprised of um, three of the six of us have uh, – four. pardon me, four of the six of us have preached internationally. Okay. 
me with my first uh, my first uh, time preaching was in Reykjavik, Iceland, thirty years ago. Okay. And right, so so we just had an international burden that uh, we just kind of outgrew the cover that we had before. So mm-hmm. we left, and God gave us a new cover. Okay. And we're very much uh, we're very much involved in not only the LGBT community in America, but the, just the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be LGBT as long as those people are welcome in that church. We're, we'll cover them. Okay, that is awesome. So tonight, one of the reasons that we're talking with you is because you are uh, an author of a new book out. Does God have a gay agenda? It is an exciting book. I'm so excited for it. Congratulations to you again. Can you share Thank with you. us uh, what does the title mean and what inspired you to write this book? Well, you know, you hear all the time um, the, the the people, the secular world tells you, oh, there's there's a gay agenda. That's mm-hmm. part of the gay agenda. Right. And, you know, th- that's that's meant that what they mean when they say that is that as as the LGBT community, LGBTQIA plus community, um, that we are trying to turn the world gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, that's just, there couldn't be anything further from the truth. The true gay agenda is just to be accepted and to, for, for LGBT kids to be able to go home for the holidays and have dinner with their families and not be ostracized. That's the gay agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us to be able to marry the person that we're in love with and not be criticized or ostracized or kicked out of our church or told, well, you can come, but you can't be on leadership or you can't mm-hmm. sing in the choir. You can't lead me. You can't do any of the things that that normal people do. Right. That's the gay agenda. Right, right. And so, you know, so I took the playoff of that because I, I was studying. I've been studying, trying to. Uh, it took me years to come to, to grips with my sexuality mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that God didn't. Um, First of all, that God didn't hate me. Mm-hmm. That was the first hurdle to overcome. The second hurdle was overcoming the fact that he didn't love me, quote, unquote, in spite of my sexuality. Right. right. And then the third hurdle was realizing that he made me just the way I am. Right. And I that he had a purpose in that. Right. And I realized the purpose in, in that is to bot- the bottom line, straight men don't lead gay men to Jesus. Right. Right. <laughs> um, you know, because there's always a requisite. Right. They always want you to, to get clean. You know, it's like, we'll let a prostitute or drug addict come into the church. If they get saved, then great, we'll let God clean them up. But if a gay man comes into the church, they want him to clean it up first right. before they, they they acknowledge that they God has saved him. Right. And that's just nonsense. Right. Because and so Holy Spirit started dealing with me uh, about this, and he showed me something in Scripture. And I believe that in the book, I take you through I the actual God's, what I consider God's gay agenda, what he showed me, his, his plan. And I do believe he showed me he has a, a very specific plan for the LGBT community. That's not until chapter 20. Right. I spend 19 chapters, and you've read the book, so you know. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I'm still waiting for your review on Amazon. Oh, um, <laughs> I called, called you out here on public. Yeah. Um, but I, I spent 19 chapters laying the foundation. And the book is uh, is just jam-packed full of scripture. And I finally, in chapter 20, show what I believe God does have an agenda. And I'm not going to give it away because I want people to read the book. Because there's so much scripture and so much 
just pure common sense mixed with scripture. You know, the, the definition of wisdom, uh, an old pastor of mine told me wisdom is nothing more than anointed common sense. Right, right. And there's so there's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of anointed common sense in the book mm-hmm. uh, to go along with the scripture. Mm-hmm. And to go along with scientific studies. And I, I give you everything. And that's one of the things that I've been lauded for is that the research that's in the book, because it took me about 10 years to be able to write that book. Mm-hmm. And and then another two years of actually writing it. Right. So right. it's been a long process. Right. What I appreciate, what I've, I appreciate, I've told you before, what I always appreciate is the breakdown, is the breakdown of scripture. Of scripture. In the book and how you break down, you you know, homosexuality and the terms of what it meant, because oftentimes I feel that what people struggle with most is interpretation, is application, is understanding and theology in the way that it has been taught. And oftentimes the way that it was taught in the past was incorrect and people literally, I believe bad theology, because you do have a lot of people that the reason that they don't believe in Jesus, the reason that they don't necessarily go to go to church anymore or even church in itself is it's offensive is because of all of the times where Instead of, of scripture Instead being of, used uh, as instruction, as guidance, as wisdom, as, guidance, as, as, wisdom, as a bomb, it's been used as a weapon. That's in my experience because I really identified when you talked about home and about, you know, how the holidays, because in a lot of different groups lately, um, just the holidays. And I think it's not just Christmas or Thanksgiving. It's the fact that it's winter, it's a change of season. So there's people that really do deal with depressional issues as, as it relates to moves and things for the holidays. I mean, moves for seasons but more so um what i have found at home too is the disassociation because oftentimes in our home you know you've experienced where you're not able to go i was sharing on the podcast um probably about two weeks ago about the experience of wanting to to when i'm i'm married to my wife we've been married all going on nine years december 12th but before uh, wanting, being excited that this is a healthy relationship that I'm in and wanting to introduce her to my family. I come from a family. My father, I grew up the ministry leaders, I grew up uh, Christian Methodist Episcopal. My dad is a uh, presiding elder. And I have uncles that are pastors. So it's and, and my family in itself are teachers. That's what they've done for 40 years since my grandmother. But the point is wanting to share and, and go home and just have Thanksgiving dinner. And that was a problem because they're not an accepting family. And then later it happened again in 2015. So it's oftentimes in my own life, you know, dealing with the challenge of, yes, I do love my parents and I have a younger brother that's disabled. So I often have maintained the relationship so I can see my brother. But home in itself is a is a fragmented word for me because home in my mind means acceptance. Home means it's a place you go that you're loved. It's a place where truth is accepted, even if it's the truth you don't it, that doesn't relate to you, or even if you don't agree, you still don't shun it. But I often find in communities, in churches, home, truth, the holidays. Can be, can be a lot to deal with because you're deal dealing with that and you're dealing with the fact that in many spaces and places, places instead of it being healed, hold, resolved, it remains resolved, forever it fractured. Would you not agree? Are there any solutions that you think that, you think that we, uh, that, we uh, that, that you have for people who struggle during this time? During this time? 
You mean specifically in the book or? Both, because I realized the book in itself, you're teaching about about what you what you feel that, you know, God is saying to LGBT people, as well as bringing the instruction that's needed to resolve a lot of the past theological issues as far as what homosexuality meant and how it was wrong. So you do that in the book, but I'm just saying in everyday life, a part of the podcast, daily application of everything or wisdom of Jesus, what would you say to the people that you meet that struggle with a lot of these issues in acceptance and understanding? Well, with the with the acceptance of family, I totally get that because my brother and sister want nothing to do with me. Mm. Um, my brother asked me, and this is actually I, I've already started my second book. The second okay. book is called "Called." It's my story. It's called "Called Chosen" and okay. "Called Chosen" and in parentheses and gay. Okay. And my my brother, who's ten years younger than me, he asked me. He said, "You know," he goes, "I I, I can deal with all the the coming out of the closet stuff." Mm-hmm. He didn't call it stuff, but um, right. I know. he said, <laughs> yeah. And, and he said, but he said, I, I, he goes, I just have to I ask you, he goes, did you have to rip the door off the closet and burn it? And I said, yes, I did. I, I said, and I'm going to be blunt. This was before I was a pastor. Mm-hmm. I said, yes, I did. Because otherwise some asshole like you would have tried to put me back in it. Right, right, right. And so I, I understand um, they didn't let uh, my brother didn't let any of his kids. He's got five, six kids. Mm-hmm. He didn't let any of them have anything to do with me for years, mm-hmm. years and years and years. Mm-hmm. I reconnected with them three, three or four years ago when I went to my oldest daughter's wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, afterwards, I stopped and saw all my nieces and nephews and found out that all of them but one are either gay or lesbian mm. or bisexual. Right, right. right. <laughs> and so and, right. and they can't tell him because he told him, he said, if I ever find out you are, I'll, I'll, I'll kill you. Mm. And see, that was what my dad told me. So I grew up with a military officer, Baptist father, mm-hmm. um, that it, it just wasn't acceptable. So right. I had to hide it. Right. Nowadays, we've got the freedom to be who we are. But that still doesn't mean our families are going to accept us. Right. Um, right. And, and, you know, one of the things that I learned fairly early on with the LGBT community, especially when you're involved in a church that's affirming, mm. is that you don't have to stay with your, your birth family. You can have a family of choice. Right. And Chosen. you know that expression. Yes. It's what we call the, the people that have been there for us, that, are, right. that will always be there for us. I have people now. I have um, my associate pastor, and I think you you probably have met him or talked to him on Facebook, Rabbi Roy. Mm-hmm. He's a 76-year-old Messianic rabbi. Mm-hmm. He is closer to me than my little brother ha- has ever been to right. me. Right, um, right. I've got other, I've got other people. Um, I've got, uh, you know, one friend that is like a little brother to me. Right. Uh, that I, you know, constantly have to watch out for. <laughs> but we we get to have our own families. We're, and that's one of the things that I would encourage people that are that are dealing with the rejection from their natural families is press into that family of choice um, concept right. and embrace that. Yeah. Embrace it. And, you know, I'm not if, if your parents love you and they're reaching out to you, then then let them. Mm-hmm. But if they're if they're shunning you, if they're cutting you off, and don't sit there and be lonely and don't say, I mean, yes, it hurts, but sitting in your, in your room night after night, licking your wounds is not going to help anything. No, um, no. you know, like you said, I love that chosen family because chosen. you do find there are spaces there are and places spaces and people that are out there that love you, that won't just tolerate you and just the willingness to go 
and find the find those people and connect not just find them but connect with them i think it's definitely i agree with you right right and just you know nurture those relationships Mm -hmm. when you find them Mm -hmm. when god puts that person that special person i'm not talking about a romantic uh hopefully you'll you'll get that too but um but there are platonic yeah there's special friends when they when they come into your life nurture those friendships true true treat them like family what did you learn most you when, learn you were writing the book? when you were writing the book? Wow. Um, you know, I, I honestly, I'm not the same person that sat down and, and started writing that book, Chris. Oh. It's been, uh, it took me two and a half years, two years to write it, another six and nine months to get it published. And now here we are, it's been on the market for two months. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I changed so many um, of my outlooks on things. Okay. I'm much okay. more... Um, I used to describe myself as an ultra conservative Democrat. Okay. Uh, okay. Now I'm I'm much more liberal. You much more liberal. All right. Uh, I, you know, in in the book, it, it even says, you know, I'm not what you would call a liberal or a progressive Christian. Right. I'm still I still am very hardcore with the gospel. Right. Um, I believe right. the gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news for mm-hmm. mankind. Right. For all man, but it's for all mankind. Right. I, I believe that the politics, I, I've gotten less, since I started the book, I've gotten so much less tolerant of politics in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll call that out. You know, I just spoke to a group. I got the privilege of preaching to a group Saturday night. Okay. And, and I just told them point blank. I said, you know, I said, this is a mixed group. I said, I'm going to tell you right now. I said, I don't care what who's sitting in the White House. I don't care if he's got a donkey or an elephant behind him. Mm-hmm. He is he is the president of the United States. He is not your idol. He's not your leader. Okay. Jesus Christ is our leader. If you're a born again Christian, our allegiance belongs to Jesus Christ and not a politician and not a man. Okay. And and I become much less tolerant of that uh, after writing the book because I had to do so much research in it. Oh, you did right, um, right. Yeah, that, I do yeah. appreciate you did a lot yeah, of research and you and the librarian that is that I do by day appreciate the cited sources. I love that. And, and and I tried to make it. I did that, Chris, to make it very very easy for people to read. Right. right. Um, you can follow I, along. I, it's like whether you're deeply yeah. theological, you don't have to have that background to to, to uh, take a look at the book and to read it to understand to where you come come from. And what I think is is, is helpful is people can hear your heart and your passion for Christ, your passion for people, and you know the sheep themselves or just individuals you care about people's lives. And I, that's what I've always I've never met you physically, but that's what I've always felt in watching you online. Um, Thank you. And you, you know, I've had people. I've actually had people that wrote. Um, reviews for me or for mm-hmm. the book that are on Amazon that have called me um, mm-hmm. or messaged me in FaceTime uh, and told me, said, you know, I, I don't agree with everything that you said, which I don't, I don't agree with anything anybody says. Right. So, we, we get I mean, you know, but, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And they say, I don't agree with everything that you said, but I love your heart. Mm-hmm. Your heart comes mm-hmm. shining through. And the other thing that they, that I get the accolades on is they said, you made it so easy to read mm-hmm. uh, and it just flows. And, and you know, I had it tested. Um, uh, most authors will have their, their work tested to see what what level you're writing on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kathy Baldock is one of my mentors. Right. And Kathy, right. when she right. does when she does her um, her 
seminars, she mm. says she tries to break it down so that even an 86-year-old woman, can, her mother, can understand what she's saying with no problem. Right. And so in the book, right. that's the way I try to write. Right. So that no matter, and when it tests it out, it tests it out as a ninth grade level. Right. So it's right. very simple to read. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a quick read. I know people that I've had several people that wrote reviews that, that read it in a weekend. Right. Um, I've right. Ha I've had others that have taken two months because you know they read a, a half a half a right. half a page a day, right. but it's okay. It's okay. Uh, and some of them say it. I'm taking my time because there's so much in it. I'm mm -hmm. trying to absorb it all. Right. That's so, totally understandable. What do you want people to get from your life? Get from your life. From my life, mm -hmm. Chris. W when I die, mm -hmm. I I want people that know, my my number one goal mm -hmm. is when I die that people that knew me well mm -hmm. will say I've never met anybody with more in love with Jesus. Okay. okay, okay, I can appreciate that. I appreciate that. When you're thinking when about, you're thinking the, book, about the, book, the book, and I know we're not sharing, um, we're not sharing um, the book because we want people to buy it, want people to read it. If I say the word transformation to you, what would you, how would you say you've you experienced transformation you in your life? Through writing the book or just in general? Writing the book or just in general? Well, I, both. Mm -hmm. Both. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, let's see, 17 years ago, I was a homeless meth addict. Mm. Living in a shelter for homeless uh, for homeless people. Okay. And so there's been a huge tra and I the thing was I was born again. Mm -hmm. But what happened was when I came out, mm -hmm. my church told me God doesn't want you anymore. Right. Um, I was told literally when God hears your name, He wants to vomit, and right. I I believe the lie. Right. And that's right. why the book. Right. There's why number two book is coming out. Right. Um, I told you it's called, it's going to be called Called Chosen and Gay, and then it says. Um, a story of hope and redemption in one man's journey from homeless drug addict to bishop. Right. That's so there was a transformation there. And then mm -hmm. there's been, I'm constantly evolving, constantly transforming. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just the, the moment we, you're, we stop growing, you start dying. Right. And right. so I'm constantly, you know, it's like, um, I love listening to other pastors, mm -hmm. letting them pour into me. Mm -hmm. um, when I when I've gone for more than a month or so without uh, spending time with my mentor, I'm I'm just miserable. It's like right. you know, I sent him a message the other day. I said, "Dude, I'm having I'm having separation anxiety." <laughs> he just laughed at me, you know. But so I I need to be constantly pouring things into me so that I'm constantly growing. Right. The ministry's growing. I mean, mm -hmm. in the last ninety days. We've gone. We've got three churches in Pakistan now. Mm -hmm. It took years to establish those initial relationships in Pakistan. Mm -hmm. um, now I'm trying to establish a relationship in Nepal. Okay. Um, okay. So you know, it's it's a constant, it's a constant growing. It's a constant metamorphosis. It's a constant changing. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that we should ever, ever, ever be content with who we are spiritually until the day that we look them in the face. Right. Because you're constantly, it's constantly about growing. It's constantly about growing. And yes. evolving. Uh, evolving. To grow. Yes. What? Because I, 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 now I know, I confess, now I know, I know nothing, I about, church nothing about church planting. Um, but just for those that, <laughs> for those that <laughs> I've never done it. I've, the I've most I've done, done is work in church ministry. Work in church um, so um, I guess my so question would be, my question would what, be challenges what challenges or advice or would you have for those that feel called to plant church? Is there any advice that you would give? Well, 
the church planting and see what we've done is we've taken churches that were already established okay. and brought okay. them under our cover. Okay. But we, we did plant okay. one church that's now independent. Mm -hmm. And w mm -hmm. with church planting, um, we're going to be doing one next year, Lord willing. Okay. Uh, there, okay. there is plans. There's plans for, um, a reignite Sacramento. Okay. And the thing will be going to Sacramento, meeting with people, uh, putting out the word that, hey, there's there's a spirit filled affirming church that is completely affirming, not just that's tolerant, but completely affirming, uh, believes in the gospel, believes in all the gifts of the spirit and all the fruit of the spirit. And we would like to meet with you if you're interested in being a part of this. Okay. And so you set up, you, you put the feelers out on social media mm -hmm. and you see, and then you get a core group together. You start meeting because my mentor has planted 30 or 40 churches okay. from, you know, from, from the ground up. And so you put the word out that you're going to be starting a work here. Uh, then you go there and, and you preach once a month. Mm -hmm. And uh, unless you live in that city, then great. Right. Uh, when I started, new, right. when I started this here in Palm Springs, we met in my in this living room. I'm in my living room in my condo. Mm -hmm. We met here until we couldn't get any more people in the room. Okay. Um, and okay. and then we moved to a hotel ballroom uh, okay. a, or hotel conference room. And then we ended up moving to a hotel ballroom. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just it's once it's. You know, the word says line upon line and precept upon precept is how things are established. And so you don't you don't go out and rent a big building or a tent uh, and an orchestra. You you make it. We we are now started in our eighth year. We still do not have a worship leader or a worship team. Mm -hmm. We still use canned music because right. I'm real picky about the music we use. But you use the talent that you have. Right. You start right. where you are. You start where you are. You got it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes, that makes sense. Right. Uh, another question. Uh, Pain uh, is something pain, that people uh, cannot avoid. Cannot everybody goes through trials. Everybody goes through storms. What have been your lessons in your life that you've learned about pain? Wow. Can you be more specific? Oh, let's see. Um, well, I mean, I was just thinking uh, well, about how, you know, sometimes how, you know, uh, sometime, one of the challenges uh, in church or in, in ministry, whether you're a ministry leader or outside, is that there's this idea that to believe in Jesus means that I'm doing something wrong if I experience pain. Oh, Lord have mercy. Well, okay. See, th thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> right. Um, let me give you an analogy. Okay. Um, you know, okay. I, I, if, if you could see my, what I'm looking at out, out my window is mm -hmm. beautiful Mount San Jacinto, which is about 9,000 feet high. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. up on the mountaintops, it's beautiful up there, mm -hmm. but there's nothing that there's nothing happening up there. Okay. There's, okay. there's trees growing, but there's no farms. There's no orchards. There's no, you get where I'm going? Right. Uh, right. The mountaintop is beautiful and it's a wonderful place to visit. Right. But I live in the right. valley. You live in the valley. And the right. valley is where we grow. Right. And yeah. the valley is where the fruit trees are, the avocados mm -hmm. and the pomegranates that we're famous for here. Mm -hmm. um, in the valley is where it's dry mm -hmm. and dusty mm -hmm. and the wind blows and sometimes you think, oh, my God, it's so freaking hot here. I'm going to die. Right. It's always 30 to 40 degrees cooler up there on that mountain. Right. But 
in in life mm-hmm. it's the valleys that we grow in right. chris right. we don't grow we don't grow when we get the when we're fortunate enough to get to go spend some time on the mountaintop with our father mm-hmm. that's not a growth time for us mm-hmm. that's a time of refreshing so that when we come back down into the valley mm-hmm. we've got what it takes to get through that next season that's- see the scripture tells us that as long as as the Lord's as long as uh, the sun and the moon and the stars exist, that seasons will exist. Mm-hmm. There will always be a springtime for sowing, and there will always be a harvest, a uh, fall time for harvest. Mm-hmm. There will always be a summer when things are hot and miserable, and then there's always a winter when you think that you're going to die from the cold. Right. But it's the spring and the fall that we thrive in. So. Yeah, winter, winter we've got happens. to realize <laughs> yes. yeah winter winter does happen yeah, it does happen and sometimes summer. summer is extreme sometimes summer is a beautiful breezy day on the beach other times summer is walking down the 10 because your car broke down mm-hmm. and you don't have any water with you yeah uh and that's if you knew palm springs and knew the 10 that's not a place you want to be no. with no water <laughs> and a broken down car right but the pain is necessary yes what we have to realize and, and never forget is that the Lord said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He said, I will be right there and I'll walk through that. Right. God didn't reach down and pull Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of that fire. Mm-hmm. He appeared in the flames with he them. He appeared in the flames. Yeah. That, yeah. And that, that's, love, that's, a, that's a great analogy right there. He appeared because it seems like that would be, I guess, if we use logic, it seems like it would be like, well, you know, you just. He's, he's God. He's probably just making close the fire, and then just that's it. But yeah. He, yeah, and I think about that too, in the sense of I think this was some years ago. Uh, uh, my spiritual dad and I were talking, um, Apostle James Triplett, and I was saying how it was interesting when you look at that story about Lazarus uh, and uh, Mary and Martha, and how they're grieving. And Jesus is talking with them, knowing at the same time that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But he meets them and right. talks with them. So it's not like he even stops their grief and says, hey, y'all don't have to be upset. I'm, you know, I'm fixing to resurrect him, right? He doesn't say that. That yeah. is just amazing because I guess I always think about, I think it's in Lisa Turkish. I might be butchering her name, but from Proverbs 31 Ministries. I can't remember which devotional or which book she wrote, but she talks about how you don't have to feel his presence. To know that he is present and i was i was thinking right. about that when you were talking about the analogy and just you know our growth is a relational experience and it happens in the valley and i think so many people need to know that or that's something the lesson that is we all learn and experience last question right, and you, you, go, ahead. go ahead i just want to say you hit on something really important there i just i, I want to uh, uh what expound on that go. Just be, just because you can't feel him doesn't mean he's not there. Right. Because so many times as Christians, you know, we've been taught, at least I was growing up Baptist, that if you ha- if you were depressed, if you had depression issues, then you just weren't trusting God. You you weren't believing, you weren't reading your Bible enough, you weren't praying, blah, 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 whatever it was. It was always something you weren't doing. Mm-hmm. But we come into some of that depression that we deal with mm-hmm. as, as human beings. And let's face it, depression is much more prevalent now than it was back in the 60s um, because the, the stress is 10 times worse and people talk about it now. Okay. But some of that stress, Chris, is brought on because we think that because we can't feel him mm-hmm. that he's not there. Right. We feel like he's abandoned us. 
Okay. And if you've gone, if you come from a legalistic background, mm -hmm. then the first thing you do is try to figure out what did I do to make him mad at me right. that he's not talking to me, that I can't feel his presence. And, right. and that's not it. Not the word true. says that he withdraws so that we'll come closer to oh, him. Well, yep. He says, draw near to me and then I'll draw near to you. Right. Right. And so I just want people to realize just because you can't feel him doesn't mean he's not there because he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Mm -hmm. That is so true. Last question of the night. What words okay. of encouragement or empowerment uh, do you believe just in this moment? Because I know people are going to read the book that God is speaking to people. Well, I believe that the Lord, that the Holy Spirit is calling to the church both affirming and evangelical to mm -hmm. get their act together, mm -hmm. to, to quit um, the division, the politics. Like I said, politics has got to go mm -hmm. out of both sides, uh, both sides. Okay. Um, you know, we've just, we, we've got to be united as Christians. We can't be, you can't be gay first and then a Christian. You have to be a Christian first and then gay. You can't be a Republican or a Democrat first and then be a Christian. You have to be a Christian who happens to be a Democrat or happens to be a Republican. Mm -hmm. Our identity needs to be found in Christ. Okay. And when the church pulls that part, that missing piece of the puzzle, when she stops identifying as anything other than a Christian first, then, there, then we'll start to see unity. And I believe that's what the Holy Spirit of God wants. Okay. Because the word says that when he comes, he's coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Mm -hmm. And neither section of the church right now is to meet that description. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lots of work to do. Lots of work to do. Well, I thank you so much Absolutely. for taking time out of your day to talk to our listeners, to be on our show. I appreciate and value immensely. And I uh, thank you so much. And I hope you have oh, a great week and a great holiday season. Thank you. I enjoy talking to you. Thanks, Chris. Y'all right, be blessed. Be blessed. Bye-bye.